Good morning. Hey, my name is Cameron. I'm one of the pastors here at Timber Creek. Hey, how many of those, that, that hits a little close to home in relationships, right? How many of you are like, that's all of me, every single one of those? And, and uh, disclaimer before we get into the actual disclaimers, uh, ladies, we know you can open your own door, but isn't it nice for a man to come open your door for you sometimes? Yeah, all the, all the women said amen. And I saw a couple of like, men shaking their head like, no, like, that's not, it's not. Hey, maybe try it. It might, you know, we're talking about be fruitful and multiply later. Maybe that'll, maybe that'll help some things out. I don't know. <clears throat> Anyway, jumping into our series today, it's called It's Complicated. Thanks for joining us in person, online. Uh, you guys made it. It's uh, spring break, end of spring break and spring forward today. And you guys are alive. You guys have had like six cups of coffee. Anybody had five plus cups of coffee already? Okay, three plus cups of coffee? No, two plus. I- I've had three plus cups of coffee this morning, so sorry if I'm like, ooh, I'm just... Just, you know, I've been up since five o'clock. It was really four o'clock, you know, but anyway, hey, we're in part four today. And in each of these series, we have given you a disclaimer so that you at home watching online or driving in the car on your way back to spring break, be careful. Um, if those of you that are in here, so, some of you might have a tendency to tune out when you hear what we're talking about today. We're talking about parenting. Um, and so we want to give a disclaimer to let you know a couple of things. First disclaimer is there are hundreds of types of different relationships out there, hundreds of kinds of relationships. So we want you to understand that we are trying to tailor fit this series to make it work for every single one of you in every single aspect of your life. And hopefully, if you have not had the opportunity and privilege yet to be a parent, hopefully you will someday. Um, and even if you're like, hey, I don't ever want to have kids. That's okay. That's, that's a choice that some people are making. Hopefully, you're choosing to pour into the next generation in some way. So you can take some of the elements of today's message and apply that to your life. Okay, so that's disclaimer number one. Disclaimer number two is there are no quick fixes, okay? So there, there is no condemnation for those that live in Christ Jesus, right? So we're not trying to condemn you. We're not trying to make you feel bad about being a parent today. We're trying to equip you and help you become a better parent, better follower of Jesus, a better parent today. So know that you're not gonna walk out of here and be a perfect parent because there is no perfect parent in the room if there is, please come talk to me, like, because I'm not a perfect parent, right? I don't have all the answers. Pastor Jeremy doesn't have all the answers. Dr. Phil doesn't, like, nobody has all the answers. Now, Facebook, the group that you're in, they might have all the answers. Um, just be careful with those. Those are, those are crazy. Those, you, you get some crazy threads going with those people in the comments, and some people are like, I'm just like little Michael Jackson popcorn, like, I'm just watching them. It's crazy, okay? Uh, and then the, the last disclaimer for this series, for each topic of this series is it all starts with you and Jesus, the most important relationship in your life before marriage, before boyfriend, girlfriend, before best friend, before parent, child, child, parent, the most important relationship in your life is you and Jesus. And we'll talk about that here in a little bit. Um, but I want to uh, share with you real quick. So before this series started, uh, we uh, asked you, Timber Creek, those of you online, those of you in here, some of you did, uh, to take a survey to help us to present to you topics in the series that you want to hear about. So instead of just creating a bunch of topics for us to tell you what we want you to hear, we decided, hey, let's let you kind of steer the wheel for us and you uh, come up with some topics and ideas that you want to hear about. And the third most uh, chosen topic in, out of about 20 topics was the topic of raising and parenting godly children. Not raising successful businessmen and women, not raising successful moms and dads, not raising successful kids, uh, raising and parenting godly children. And here's, here's what that tells me about you, Tim McCree. Here's It tells me three things. It tells me that you care deeply about your child's relationship with God. What you might have chosen that, and you're a new parent. You're about to be a parent. Maybe you're thinking about having kids. Maybe you've had kids. Maybe you're a grandparent in the room or a great-grandparent in the room, and you might have chosen that because maybe your kids aren't living for Jesus, and you're like, man, my kid's 30 years old, and he's still not living for Jesus. I want to learn how to train them, teach them, coach them uh, in a way there that, where we can raise a godly child, a godly son, a godly daughter, okay? Um, and it also tells me, like I just said, we don't have all the answers, Okay. I don't have all the answers, you don't have all the answers, we don't have all the answers. There are lots of books, there are lots of things that you can do out there to get some information about parenting. And in this day and age of learning and education and technology that we had, you, you should be striving to be a better parent. You should be taking notes and listening to people, listening to parents, but understanding that there is no perfect solution out there. Um, and the last thing that it tells me about you is that you think it's complicated, right? Can somebody say it's complicated? It is complicated. In fact, I have three complications of my, three children of my own. Three children of my own. 
I have a six-year-old daughter, Kaylee, who is a spitting image of me, just girl form. Um, she's crazy like me. She likes to be around people like me. She doesn't shut up like me. Like, she just, like, she is me in little six-year-old girl form, right? Uh, in fact, so much like me that uh, I saw her run across the house the other day, arms extended, run right into the wall. Might not mean anything to you. Four years ago in a sermon illustration, I broke both my elbows running into a brick wall. Like, I'm not, I'm, I'm being dead serious. Uh, my middle daughter was one month old. I broke both my elbows. I literally had a cast and this like robotic arm that I could like tell it how, how far I wanted it to go. And what was crazy is our basement had just flooded because we lived in Kansas where they have basements uh, that are like downstairs living areas that you don't really have to pay for. It's kind of cool. Um, but yeah, so we, we needed to repaint what well, I couldn't repaint. So, because uh, if I would have painted, I could have only, you know, like done like this right here. You can imagine how, um, how happy and thrilled my wife was with me breaking both of my elbows with a newborn baby and a flooded basement downstairs. So, uh, so Kaylee's just like me. So watching her run across the, the room the other day, I was like, oh, that's, oh, what a bright future. Like, oh man. <laughs> Just like me, even the running across the wall thing. Uh, then Camden, Camden is our little four-year-old, and man, she is little, petite, kind. She weighs 30 pounds, and she's four years old, and like, I don't know if you've been around kids, but that's very light. Like, I can literally just toss her up in the air, and like, it takes her a minute to come down. She floats a little bit. Um, she's a redhead, and everybody always asks, where did you get the... Right here, right? Everybody in the, in the store or wherever you walk, I couldn't think of first service, like where we walk anymore. Like COVID did something to my brain. I'm like, where, where do we even walk around anymore? Like the store, the parking lot, the, the sidewalk, like where, I, I couldn't think of, a, of, of an object that we walk around in anymore. Anyway, but wherever we're at, they're always like, hey, where did she get the red hair? Like they're looking up for like some juicy story. Um, it, like, I don't know. Like, I don't have red hair. She doesn't have red hair. My wife, Kelsey, doesn't have red hair. So we're like, oh, you know, her great aunt that we don't even know, like we don't even know our great aunt, like somewhere down the road. Like, you know, just say it just so that it pees. Oh, that's so sweet. She's got the heritage. Like, yeah, it's beautiful, right? And then they just want to touch it. And, and Cammy, she's so sweet and gentle but she's, she's an introvert. So she's, she's just like standing back by mama, but then she'll like get this like glare because she's redhead, right? She'll get this glare and stare and it's like, oh, run, <laughs> run. Uh, but anyway, so yeah, so that's Cammie and she's sweet, gentle, kind. She's probably gonna be an artist, dancer, musician. Like that's her, her temperament, beautiful little girl. And then we have Coop and Coop's just crazy right now. He's two years old, Cooper. Um, and he uh, is all about cars and dinosaurs right now as probably most of your boys are if you have a boy. Um, and let me tell you this, Legos probably hurt, but dinosaurs kill, right? They probably actually killed back in the day, but like they really kill, like if you step on them. The, the, the stegosaurus, the one with the sticky spines out of it, it, like, I rededicate my life after I step on that thing. It's terrible. It's terrible. The whole point is, it's complicated. Right now, he's jumping off the back of the couch tackling us right now. That's his thing. Like, I hope he... It, it, he dove into a windowsill the other day and broke his nose, right? Crazy. He's, he's crazy, right? It was blood everywhere. Uh, but he's fine now, and he's back to running around and, and jumping around. It, listen, it's complicated. Everybody say it's complicated. There are things in life that are complicated, but I'm, I'm probably pretty accurate on this, that parenting might be up there with one of the most complicated things, especially in the world we live in today, right? The world's crazy. Uh, there's all kinds of things out there for them. And, and for you, especially you as a learner, hopefully you are saying, I want to be the best parent I can be. And I want to learn from people around me, from books, from resources. The thing is, which resources do you use? Who's right? Who's wrong? Um, is it the Karen on Facebook that's yelling at everybody? Is it the, you know, the, the young mom that knows everything about organic foods? Like, wh wh which one do I listen to, right? Do I do organic foods or do I do not dino nuggies, right? Where are my dino nuggy peeps at? Like, Come on, everybody raise your hand. I'm not even asking for the ones that, I know you eat dino nuggies. I'm talking about the ones that are like, I'm gonna get my kid a nutritious meal tonight. It's fully grass-fed chicken. You don't even eat grass, but it says grass-fed probably on there. Like, you just read the like label and it says 100% chicken. Don't look at the backside. That's, that's cheating, okay? Just believe what they say, okay? Don't worry about what's on the back. Give it to them. They have a nutritious meal and they serve Chick-fil-A sauce in the bottles now. So come on. Like, it just makes every, it's liquid gold, everybody. And it costs the amount of liquid gold probably. Um, but anyway, so uh, do I vaccinate my kids or do I not? Okay, moving on. We're not going to talk about vaccinations right now. Uh, private schools, public schools, homeschool, virtual learning, uh, not learning, wish I was learning, wish I was a better teacher to my kid. Like, right, schooling is crazy. Schooling's been crazy for the past year. Do I give my kid a cell phone at five years old so that they, well, like, I, I want them to be able to know, like, if they're in their room and they need me to be able to call me or text me, you know, if they need to. 
you know your five-year-olds have your phone more than you have your phone right now. Like, I, we were just looking at screen time backstage before first service, and we're all like 96 hours. I'm like, I don't think I was on my phone for 96 hours. No, my kids, because it, it says like Nickelodeon, Nick Jr., Noggin, like all these apps that I don't, I mean, I sometimes use them if I just need some background noise. But, uh, but like, they're on your phone more than you are, right? Do I give my uh, kid a phone at five or 15, right? And the teenager's are like, I'm about to turn 13. I'm supposed to get my, like, don't, don't tell my parents that, like, 15, that's, that's three years away, two years away. The reality is um, there is no perfect solution to parenting. Um, you're going to parent the way that you want to parent. And sometimes we get wrapped up in parenting the way we wanted to be parented as a child, and we're not parenting what they need. And I'm, I'm going to try to get you to understand today, um, understanding your children and the need that they have for you um, is greater than the importance of you trying to right wrongs from your past, right? It's, it's being the, the best parent that you can be should be the goal walking out today. So we're going to talk about four different phases of parenting and the four key things I'm going to give you today, you can do in each one of these phases. And I had somebody come up to me and they're like, yo, we were in that phase that you're talking about. I understood all of those four phases. We've been through all four. Um, so Tim Elmore is a, he's a doctor, he's an author, um, and he leads this thing called Leading Generations, um, and what the, uh, Growing Leaders and Leading Generations. Um, you can check it out, growingleaders.com. It's really insightful and it's good Christian content um, for people that are either parents or leaders that are bringing up new leaders uh, from the next generation. He's a, he's a brilliant mind, incredible author, incredible speaker, incredible leader. <clears throat> and he talks about four phases of parenting and I'm gonna give them to you, and then I'm gonna give you four key things that you can do inside every single one of those phases, okay? So the first phase, which I'm hot in right now, which I'm like, like knee deep in right now, is the discipline phase, okay? This is your ages one through five, okay? This is where kids begin to learn boundaries. You begin to teach boundaries, like don't eat too much candy or your teeth will rot. Te teeth will fall out. Like my kids weren't brushing their teeth, so the other day I showed them rotten teeth and they ran to the bathroom and brushed their own teeth. Like, dad hack, there you go. Like, just pull up some nasty, rotten teeth. Uh, the, the guy was probably on meth, but it didn't matter. Like, <laughs> it was rotten teeth, and they ran to the bathroom. Like, it doesn't matter. <laughs> they ran to the bathroom, brushed their teeth. So if you're having a hard time, get, just Google image some nasty teeth, and they'll run to the bathroom and do that. Uh, so we're in the discipline age right now where we're trying to teach them boundaries, okay? Um, then the next one is the training phase. Everybody say training phase. Okay, training phase is ages 6 through 12. And I love this one because it says children learn to initiate good behavior. Okay, this means that they probably understand what's right and wrong. They're learning what's right and wrong. And they're learning how to make good decisions on their own. They're learning how to initiate good behavior, okay? They're learning not to stab their friend at school with a pencil, right? They're learning not to take three chocolate milks from the line at school. Like, they're making good decisions, or at least they're capable of making good decisions, right? And, and you begin to train them, teach them a little bit more. And then the third one is where most teenagers are, teenagers and even young adults, you know you 21-year-olds still call your mom and ask her all the questions. In fact, you ask her, hey, uh, can I get your stimulus check too? Like, you, you guys, you, you're trying to, you know, like figure out all the problems of life. You really call your mom, like you want to talk to her on the phone, and you know, you're like trying to get to the point, get to the point, and then you're like, Hey mom, did you get those? Did you get that money in the bank yet? Because I, I need a little bit extra. I'm just trying to cover, you know, some of the costs from uh, college and whatever else. <clears throat> but this one is the, this teenage years to young adult years is where you get to guide them in their own decision making. And this one's hard. This one you have to release a little bit of the rope. Okay, you got to you got to pull it back sometimes, but you got to at least give them a little bit of rope. You got to begin to let them make decisions. Now, are they going to make the right decision 100% of the time? No, because did you make the right decision 100% of the time? No, everybody's like, no, somebody said yes. I, <laughs> wow, <laughs> okay. Um, I did not. I, I, like, my parents were like pulling back, like it was around my neck, and I was like, you'd get yanked back. So uh, I did not make the right decision most times, but at least they gave me some rope for me to begin to make decisions. And when that decision was right, I would get, you know, talked to, congratulated, helped uh, to understand, hey, that was a great decision. And when it was not right, I would get talked to and helped to understand that that was not a great decision or just spanked or whatever, you know, like just whatever my parents did. The very next one is the one we get kind of wrapped up in um, earlier in life and we want to do it so bad, but it's the friendship phase. 
And this phase is specifically for ages 22 plus, okay? And that, that might be 32 for some of your kids, you know, wandering off and going to do their own thing. But the, the whole point of it is um, 22 plus, they begin to mature. They begin to maybe be in relationships of their own. And they begin to realize mom and dad weren't such idiots after all. Like they actually understood things. They, they actually knew things. They, you know, saying that I shouldn't drive past the speed limit wasn't just, you know, a dumb rule that my parents made up. Uh, I got a ticket for it, right? And I remember being 20, I was probably 20, 21, and, I, and calling my parents from my dorm room uh, at Sagu, and I, I called them and I said, hey, I just want to apologize. Like, I know I've been a jerk to you guys. Uh, I know I've gotten, you know, shouting masters with mom. And I, I just kind of remember having that conversation with them. And it, we were even with them last week. And I can remember having a conversation, or I can remember it last week. I hope I can remember. But like, I was having a conversation with my mom and I was just telling her, I was like, hey, I'm, I'm sorry I wasn't the best son to you because she was an incredible mom to me. My dad was an incredible dad to me. I was not always the best recipient. I was not always the best child to them. I was fiercely independent, didn't want anything they had to say. If they said it, I want to do the opposite. Um, and, you know, so, but I, I apologize to them. And what they're starting to do is they're starting to reap the benefits. They're starting to reap the fruit of love and respect from me. Right now, unfortunately, love and respect, the, the fruit of love and respect isn't in any of those other three phases. And you guys are looking for it. And unfortunately, it might not come right now. But still stay strong. Be the parent that God has called you to be. Be the very best parent you can, even when you're not getting the love and respect that you deserve as a parent. You're, you're giving your everything, you're fighting for everything, you're trying to keep a stable home, a stable, you're doing everything for your children. Just know that it's, it's a growing thing for them. They're gonna grow into it and eventually, hopefully someday, you'll reap that fruit of love and respect from them. So here we go, four things that you can do. If you walk out of here today and you do one of these things, if you do all four of these things, if you do this in all of the four phases that we just talked about, if you do this in one of the phases we just talked about, if you even do this with just one child, I wouldn't recommend it. So, by the way, somebody in the first service came up to me, we were talking about different ages and older and younger siblings, and they came up to me like, hey, you, you forgot about me. And I was like, what? He said, you, you forgot about the only children in the room? I was like, oh, you're one of those. Oh. <laughs> Who, who's the only children in the room? Oh, okay, okay. Uh, I, I'm the oldest, uh, my sister's the youngest, my brother's the middle child, sister gets everything she wants, brother gets everything he wants, and I'm just me. But. Just the oldest, whatever. Sorry, mom, for whatever I did. The first thing you can do for your children, the first thing you should do for your children is you should model it for them. Model it for them. Now, we're not talking about businessmen and women. We're not talking about raising uh, mom and dads. We're not talking about raising up anything else except godly, parent, uh, godly children is, is what you asked for today. And so I'm gonna try to explain this in a way for you to be able to walk out of here the best way you can to raise godly children in your home. Um, in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5 through 7, a little bit of background about this scripture. So Timothy is an apprentice to the Apostle Paul who wrote most of the New Testament. Uh, he wrote this book to Timothy while he was in prison uh, for the last time before Paul was executed uh, for his faith. And uh, he's writing to Timothy, and you see Timothy um, was an incredible missionary himself and also was a pastor of the church in Ephesus. And so Paul is writing to him, encouraging him, telling him how proud he is of him. But in this verse here, he reminds him of the, the model that his family, that his heritage had for him. And I wanna read that with you real quick in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse five through seven. And it says this, uh, Timothy, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice. I'm persuaded now lives in you also. For this reason, I remind you to fan the flame, the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the spirit of God gave us, uh, the spirit of God that he gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. Um, you see, what Paul is telling him here is, Timothy, you're doing a great job. Keep it up, keep up the great work, keep pastoring, keep loving, keep shepherding people in the way that you are, but I don't want you to forget, like, you are the person you are today because of your grandmother and because of your mother, it, because of the heritage that they set before you, because of the way that they modeled their faith in front of you, you're here today because of that. And what I love about Paul is Paul is, he's not quiet about women in ministry, he's not quiet about women in leadership, he's not quiet about women in the home. Like he is, is understanding and celebrating the women in, in Timothy's life and saying, hey, because of your mother and your grandmother, it's your, this is where you're at today. In fact, his father wasn't even a believer. We, we know that in Acts chapter 16, it says Paul, this is when Paul meets Timothy, it says Paul came to Derby and then to Lystra where a disciple named Timothy lived, whose mother was Jewish and a believer, but whose father was a Greek Gentile. 
A little bit later, we, we understand that the father was not a believer in the home. So already Timothy has some dominoes stacked against him because he's got some issues with mom being a believer and trying to do everything she can to live for Jesus and model it for him and the father not, not believing at all and probably giving him some bad advice and probably telling him you know, that he's wacko for believing these things about Jesus and he's, he's has this tension, but he chose to follow the heritage of his grandmother and his mother who lived strong in front of him, who modeled it for him and who showed him what it looks like to have faith. In fact, this is what it says about their faith in the Amplified Version, which is a version that got, just kind of takes the Word of God and expands it or amplifies it a little bit. And it says this, I remember your sincere and unqualified faith. And this is how it explains that faith that he had from his grandmother and his mother. The surrendering of your entire self to God in Christ with confident trust in his power, wisdom, and goodness. A faith which first lived in the heart of your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. He's saying, hey, because they had that strong, sincere, confident faith in God that wasn't wavering, that didn't rely on the, the husband in the, in the house, that literally was a strong faith in front of you, because of that is where you are today. Be strong in who you are. Be confident in who you are, but know that that came from your parents. And last night, I uh, was on a FaceTime call with my grandpa, and uh, he, all I've ever known is my, my grandpa loves God with all of his heart, mind, soul, strength, a sincere man of faith, him and my grandma both uh, on my dad's side, and they, they love God with all of their heart. And it's, it was cool as a, as a child getting to watch, and my, my grandpa would literally weep over, uh, over his grandchildren, over his children, and he would just pray, and it was just a beautiful, you could just see the, the relationship he had with Jesus was sincere and, and real and meaningful, and that was passed down to my, my father and, and then to us and, and to, to my brother and sister, like it all is from his heritage. And I actually called him last night, uh, finishing up this message. And, and I just wanted to hear his story because I'd never heard his faith journey. I'd never heard his story. And it was really cool having a, about a 30 minute conversation with my grandpa about his uh, coming to, to life in Jesus when he was about 21 years old. He had just uh, married his wife and they had had my dad. Um, and he said, you know, my, my life was full of all kinds of ups and downs, but I realized that it was time to give my life to Jesus. He had seen people model it before him and he gave his life to Jesus. And, and for the last 60 years of his life, he's lived for Jesus heart and soul. And it's, it's cool because the heritage that he began has been passed down to his great grandchildren. And, I, and it was just really honoring it and really cool for me to be able to thank him last night as I was finishing this message up and just say, hey, thank you uh, for, for living the life you've lived. And he's like, I'm not perfect. And uh, he's not perfect. But in my eyes, you love Jesus more than anybody I've ever come in contact with. And that's made an impact on me. And so it was a really cool opportunity to do that. And, and maybe you're in here and you're like, I don't have that kind of heritage. I'm, I'm a single mother raising a, a kid and we are new to church and I don't have a heritage like that. Start a heritage like that. Maybe, maybe you're in here and you're a dad that's in here for the first time and you've never, you know, maybe you've never given your life to Jesus. I, I think today would be a great time to do that so that your great-grandchildren someday could call you and say, hey, uh, I love you and I'm, I'm grateful for that decision you made a long time ago, 2021, in the year of chaos and confusion and all this stuff. Um, you began a heritage. Like, heritage can start with you right now. Yes. And, and I would encourage you, if you don't have a heritage, begin the heritage. Follow me as I follow him. That's one of the best ways you can model. Follow me as I follow him. It's what I pray when I'm, when I'm praying over my children, that I would follow you, Jesus, and that my, my family would follow me. So as you're talking, as you're thinking about what it looks like to model, just follow Jesus and let people follow you. It's the best way you can do that. So number one, model it for them. Number two, create stability around them. And you're like, stability, 2020, 21, uh, that's, that's pretty hard for all of us. I, I get it. Um, and I'm not necessarily talking about a financial stability, a uh, occupational stability, a locational stability. We get wrapped up in those things, thinking that those are what stability means for our children, when really today we're talking about stability when it comes to faith. Uh, we're talking about a spiritual stability. And in fact, um, Jesus, uh, before he was born, the angels appeared to Mary and said, hey, you've found favor with God and you're gonna be born, uh, uh, Jesus is gonna be born of you, a virgin. And, and she's asking all these questions and all this stuff. And really it comes down to the favor and the modeling before Jesus was even born, like God had picked her out because of how stable she was in her relationship with God. And then if, if you look in uh, uh, Luke chapter, uh, I believe it's Luke chapter one, there's this song that Mary begins to sing and you can just see this sincere relationship between her and God. And you know that that's why God chose Mary because he knew that he could entrust the son of God, like the savior that died for us. He could entrust him with her because of the stability that her and Joseph would come to have in the home. In fact, we're gonna read about that stability 
Right now in uh, Luke chapter two, verse 41, it says every year, everybody say every year. Every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. Now, this is essentially equated to coming to church, to doing the things that we do as followers of Jesus today. They didn't have the church like we do today. They had the temple, and they had the feast, and they had the Passover event. They had opportunities to go and be together. And so what they did is they created stability by making sure that they were taking place, uh, by doing the customs that God had put in place for them. And so what happened is, even at a young age, they're having Jesus participate as their family. They're creating stability around him so that when the day comes for him to begin to teach, for him to begin to heal, for him to begin to be the son of God that he's supposed to be, the savior of the world, he will have had a stable upbringing in his life. And this is what it says. Every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. And when he, Jesus, was 12 years old, they went up to the festival as was according to custom. Now, a little break of, of scripture here. So Jesus ends up getting lost in the temple, right? They, they lose him. They go on the road back to their hometown. And it's not until three days later, they re, well, one day later, they realize Jesus is missing, okay? Uh, they were great parents, but remember, they were human. They weren't fully God, fully human. They, they, they were fully human, okay? So remember, Mary, you know, on, on the road, she realizes, hey, where's Jesus? Like, he's supposed to be around us. He's 12 years old. He's in the training, you know, not quite to the coaching phase yet. Um, so Jesus went through all these phases. He just did it perfectly, um, okay? And so we, we see um, a little bit further in this chapter that it says, after three days, after three days, they found Jesus sitting in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers and listening to them and asking them, asking them questions. Everyone who heard him, Jesus, was amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. Like, what? Like, we know he's the son of God, but we didn't know he had all this knowledge and all this wisdom as a 12-year-old. Some of you are like, I wish my son was Jesus. I wish my daughter was just like Jesus. Like, I, they're, they're like doing TikTok dances. I don't even know what they're doing. It, it, listen, I know you're in your room trying it too. Like you're, you're trying it. Your, parent, your kid's walking around, you're like, please stop. Like don't do that ever again. But the point is, Jesus was in there. And his parents were astonished. And this is just like Mary. Remember the human, because she is human. She's not fully God. She's fully human. Uh, she says, why are you treating us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you, right? Sounds just like a mom. Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Now, if I would have said Jesus' response here, my mom, this would have been my mom's response. Come here and let me pop you in the mouth, okay? That's what she said to me when, you know, I was like 13, 14 years old because I have this issue with talking. Like, I do it for a living, but I also do it when I'm in trouble and I just talk, 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 talk and kind of dig, dig, dig deeper hole. I do it in my relationship with my wife and she's nodding her head. Yes, I don't even have to look over there. I know she is. I just don't shut up, right? And so Jesus says this. He says, why were you searching for me? All the moms in the room, like, you just feel that. You're like, oh, if my kid was like three days and why are you searching for me? Come here, let me pop you in the mouth, right? That, that's what my mom would have said. And it's the worst thing. I'd rather her just pop me in the mouth. Like, and it wasn't ever hard. It was just one of those like pop, like, cause you said a bad thing or you acted bad or you wouldn't shut up. But going and like trying to bend over while I know she's gonna pop, like, I, I, she's like, be still. I, I can't be still. Like, you're gonna pop me in the mouth. Like, I have, a, I have an internal reaction that I'm supposed to duck away from this. I don't wanna get hit by you. My mom was not abusive. She just would pop me in the mouth because I wouldn't shut up. Uh, why were you searching for me, he asked. Didn't you know I was in my father's house? Um, but they didn't understand what he was saying. Remember, they're fully uh, human, not fully God. He is fully God in flesh, but also fully human. So he's experiencing these phases, these changes in his own self. Um, and, but Mary went ahead and accepted it anyway. But they did not understand what he was saying to them. Then uh, he, Jesus, went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them because the perfect Jesus, he's perfect in every phase. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart and Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. You see, Jesus would not have been able to become the son of God, the Messiah, without the stable environment that, that was provided for them from Mary and Joseph, his earthly parents. Um, and God knew what he was doing when he put them together, when he brought them together, and he knew what he was doing when he would have Jesus raised in their home. Now, you might say, I don't know what it means to have a stable to be spiritually stable. I'm doing my best to like be physically, emotionally, uh, you know, financially. I'm doing my best to do any of those things. Uh, there's a couple things you can do to begin or even to strengthen spiritual stability in your home. One of those is you can live for Christ outside the walls of the church. Um, when you walk out of here, don't take off your Sunday best and go to Olive Garden. And when the waitress does something wrong with your food, get mad and yell and scream at her because guess what, your kids are right there watching. And if you do that, because we're human and we're gonna make mistakes, we're gonna be imperfect, 
write it with your kids as well and write it in front of your kids. Apologize to that waitress, apologize to that person uh, because they didn't deserve that from you, right? They're just doing their job and, and we did not look like Jesus to them. Now, we're gonna not look like Jesus a lot, but when we can make the chance, when we have the chance to make it right in front of our children, it goes a long way with them and they begin to see things in you. That they're mod- it's not your Sunday best. You're not, you're not doing this inside the church, you're doing it inside of a restaurant or inside the home. You're, you're apologizing, you're writing wrong you're making amends for things in front of your children. Don't let this be the only place that you are attempting to look like Jesus. Pursuing a deeper relationship with him. Maybe you're, you're new to this whole Jesus thing. Maybe you're new to this whole Christian thing. Maybe you just gave your life to Jesus a couple weeks ago. You know what? We're glad you're here and we're glad you're part of the family. I don't think there's a better church you could be at in this entire area to grow in your relationship with God. We've got great opportunities for you to be, yeah, come on, Timber Creek is amazing and we're glad you're here. And if you jump into starting point, and starting point is not just a way for us to employ to get you to serve, it's an opportunity to get you to serve. Like serving is one of those things where uh, you have more of the church inside of you because you're giving to those that are inside of the church and your kids begin to see that, they begin to get inspired by you, they begin to want to do things like you, right? So don't let, the, don't let sitting in the, you know, attending a Sunday morning, don't let that be the only part of what church is. Church was created to be a community, to be a place where we could do things together, like literally kid Works is not childcare. TC Youth is not just a place for you to drop your teens off. Like we are trying to empower your kids and teenagers on a regular basis, on a weekly basis, to become the best children of God that they can be, so that when they go home, they're better children for you, right? So like let them see you trying to get better as they're trying to get better. The next thing is not relying on the church to be the only Jesus your children see. Okay, so we're talking about the church but you really can't rely on the church to be the only Jesus your children see. In fact, I wanna give you a quick illustration. Um, how, many, how many hours are in a single week? Anybody know? 168, good. Okay, so we're gonna do a little illustration here real quick. So I have, literally, I have 168 Skittles right here, okay? Um, if you don't believe me, my wife hand counted all of these, um, so you can give it up for her for hand counting everything. Or don't give it up for her. I'm gonna give it up for you. She worked hard, for the, it, when you see what's next, you're gonna really give it up because it, it was a lot of work. Um, so this is 168 hours in a week. The average follower of Jesus goes to church around four to five hours in a week, right? You go on Sundays and hopefully you're going on midweek right now because midweek's an opportunity for you to build relationship with other people, to have community together. So let's just say you and your children go to uh, church four hours a week. So this is 168 hours. This is an entire week, Sunday to, uh, Sunday to Saturday. So if we're gonna put four in here, that's that. So if you go to church and the church is the only Jesus your children see, that's not very much compared to all of the rest of the world. And yeah, you could say there's you know, sleep and there's about 40 hours of sleep, 32 of you for you know, those of you that have smaller children like myself. Uh, but like, this is, there's a lot of world in here. There's a lot of social media, there's a lot of technology, there's a lot of hurt, there's a lot of pain. And if this is the only Jesus your children are seeing, I worry about their faith. Like I worry about how, how stable they're really gonna be when tough times actually come because that's not a lot of Jesus. And if, if they're not seeing Jesus in your home, if they're not seeing Jesus um, in, in the restaurant, in the car ride, like if they're not seeing Jesus, there's a lot of this that they're gonna see. And we don't know what a lot of this is, but you know what a lot of this is. You know what your kids are into. You know what your kids are seeing. And, and you know you wanna protect them from this, so you're gonna have to figure out a way to give them more Jesus than the church. And let's, let's take it up a notch. How many hours are in a, a single year? Anybody know? I'll give you a whole thing of Skittles if you uh, know how many hours in a year. 8,765 hours in a year. Hold on one second. All right, there we go. It could have been the Skittles, and that would have been bad. 8,765 hours in a single year. That's a lot of Skittles. Yeah, this was our whole stimulus check for Skittles. <laughs> I'm just kidding. We, we didn't get it yet, so hopefully we will. Some, I, I got to get it to recoup the cost of all the Skittles we bought. 10,000 Skittles is what we bought. Um, but if you take the 8,765 hours that are in an entire year, um, if you take four hours, which is the average week, and you multiply that by 52, that's 208. So I'm gonna count, two, I'm, just, I'm not gonna count 208 Skittles. You guys are like, man, I have lunch plans? Like, you can't do that to me. You, you take 208 Skittles, and that is 
all the Jesus your children will see in a year if you rely on the church to be the sole place that they know Jesus. And that tells me that in times like 2020, 2021, that is a lot of world that your kids are mixed up in. And this is not a lot of Jesus in there. You have to model. You have to create some stability. You have to create some spiritual stability within your home because if you don't, um, there's a whole lot of gap that your children are gonna learn from other people, learn from other places, learn from social media, learn from other dangerous places where you could be the one helping to manage what they're learning and who they're learning from. You can be the one to help guide them spiritually and you should be the one over anybody else. You should be the one doing that. We wanna partner with you. We wanna do things with you. We wanna support you. We wanna support your kids. We wanna be there for you every step of the way that we can. But when it all comes down to it, the average uh, capability of us actually doing that isn't a whole lot. So it's gonna rely on you. In fact, here, here's one more statistic. Um, so uh, in 18 years, if your kids get the perfect attendance award at year 18, we don't have one, I'm just throwing that out there. If they get the perfect attendance award, that'll be uh, 3,744 hours of 157,000 hours, 1,057,784 hours. That's 2.5% of your child's life that is actually in the church if you go to church as much as the average follower of Jesus. 2.5%. That's a lot of other percentage that your children are gonna be involved with, be learning from, be learning about. And you can say, yeah, there's a lot of good things out there. There's a lot of, you know, sports are good, academics are good. Those things are good, and those are good parts of that life. But where's Jesus in all of that? You're gonna have to help along the way. I think of, of the, the verse in uh, Psalms chapter one, Psalm chapter one, verse one through three. Uh, David pins this so beautifully and so poetically, but I think it can rely, uh, or I think it can apply directly to parenthood and your children. And it's this right here. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way of the sinners or take seat in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by the streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. You know, I think of, of children like leaves on the edge of our trees and someday those, those trees, those leaves are gonna fall off and become seeds for other trees. And you have you have the most valuable opportunity in your child's life to help them become a strong, confident, strong tree that's planted by the water. And if you don't, there's a lot of other things that are gonna pull on that leaf and that could potentially wither that leaf. So it really relies on the strength that you provide for your children, the stability that you provide for your children. Be stable like a tree that's planted by the water. Be strong so that when it's right, when the season is right for you to begin to let go more and more of your children and entrust them more and more with decision making, you can know that, hey, I've been a tree, I'm gonna stay a tree, no matter what their decisions are, I'm gonna stay a tree, and they're always gonna have this tree to come back to if they need it. The next one is be present in their life. So we've got uh, model it for them, create stability around them, be present in their life. And I think most of you might understand what this means um, to an extent, but I think sometimes we get wrapped up. Being present is really just kind of being there with our children in the same room, in the same area, in the same home with our children. But I know for me, one of the most disheartening things to hear, I can be in my child's playroom, literally sitting on the floor, and I can hear, Daddy, get off your phone. Daddy, can you get off your phone? What's sad is I'm not in their world, I'm in someone else's world that doesn't even know or doesn't even matter to me really, uh, but I'm in their world and I'm wrapped up in their problems and their issues and their you know, opinions about things and, and my, my children are sitting right in front of me and I'm not present in their life. We, we can be sitting in the stands of, of a baseball game, we can be at, at an orchestra concert, we can be at a high school graduation and we can be there but we cannot be present. We, we all know what, what that's like to, to, to feel like somebody's there, but they're not really there. Um, I would encourage you, be as present as you can be. In fact, maybe find instances in your child's life where you can be more present. Um, spending time intentionally with them, getting to really know and understand them. You see, a lot of us are frustrated with this cancel culture thing. I, I don't support it, I don't like it, I think it's crazy, but, but here's the deal. This generation, Gen Z, which is 24 and under, um, everybody living 24 and under right now, wants to make a difference far greater than anybody that has ever lived in that, in that age group, okay? Zero to 24, they wanna make a difference in the world. They, they are gonna make their mark and they're gonna let everybody know it. And that's what cancel culture is. And we're getting mad at cancel culture because we think it's ridiculous. I'm not saying it's not, but here's the deal. Those are world changers that are trying to change the world. They're trying to right wrongs and guess what, they're lost. 
They've never met Jesus. They've never come into close proximity with someone that really represents Jesus well. If we could take that inspiration that they have, that passion they have, that, that cancel culture drive, and we could cancel the, the works of the enemy that are out to kill, steal, and destroy our children, like we could take that and we could begin to shift that around. Like, how incredible would that be to use that passion and that drive of, I'm going to cancel everything that's wrong and I'm going to right every wrong in the past? Man, how amazing would that be if our children, we begin to empower them and they begin to empower their friends and all of a sudden cancel culture turned in. I'm going to cancel all the works of Satan and his, and his demons and everything in this world. Before the Israelites went into um, the promised land in Canaan, they had walked around uh, for, for many, many years, 40 years in the wilderness. And God gave them the opportunity to finally go in after their disobedience, after they'd been given the Ten Commandments and all of these things that happened in the wilderness. He goes in and he says, hey, before you go in, I want to give you a couple more commandments. Okay, they already have the Ten Commandments. But he said, I want to give you a couple more commandments. And he says this in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5 through 7. It says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. He wants them to remember who put them in the promised land. They're about to inherit riches and food and, and, and wealth like they never have come in contact. And they're not even going to have to work for it. Okay? They're not going to have to do anything for it. Like God's going to clear the path for them. And he says, I want you to remember that. Okay? I want you to put it on your hearts. And then this is what I want you to do. Impress them on your children, okay? Talk about them when you sit up at home, or when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. Three years ago, Pastor Jeremy launched a series uh, called Arrows, and arrows are symbolic of children in the Bible. Uh, and if you have not heard that series, uh, go back and watch it. As a parent, that's one of those resources that you can really rely on to help you. One of the things he, he launched uh, along with the series was this idea that goes right along parallel to this uh, verse here. And what it is, is when you're talking about sitting at home, that's mealtime. Remember, we're talking about being present in your children's life, not just being there, but being present. We're talking about mealtime. When, when you can have an opportunity to put the phones down, turn the TV off, turn your mind off for a little bit of, of work and all the other things that are going on and sit across the table. With, you can cater in Chick-fil-A. I mean, that'll make the whole situation more holy. Anyway, uh, like, you can do whatever. You don't have to cook. I'm not to, but, but have that mealtime. Sit across from your child. Look them in the eye and have a conversation. You're like, man, I, I haven't had a conversation with my children in weeks and months and years. I don't even know how to have a conversation. You know what? You do this consistently. It might be awkward. You might hear crickets for a little bit, but I'm telling you, eventually they're going to begin to spill their guts to you because they need you. And you're going to begin to be able to, to guide them. You're going to be able to guide their decision making. You're going to be able to train them, to, to discipline them. We love sitting around the table with our children and it's chaotic. I mean, food's flying everywhere. We got Chick-fil-A sauce everywhere because that's the most thing we eat. Of, that's, that's our diet. Our diet is Chick-fil-A and Whataburger, okay? Um, that's our COVID diet for 2020 all the way through 2021 and it's a habit we're just trying to break. But what's the point in breaking it? I'm just kidding. No. Uh, but, but we sit with them, we sit with them and we talk to them. We're gonna make it a habit, they're gonna eventually talk, okay? Um, that's where you have your formal discussion. That's where you begin to, to discuss hard topics. That's where you begin to discuss hard things with them. You begin to talk about their grades. You begin to talk about their relationships. You begin to talk about their boyfriend or their girlfriend. Like, you get to have a formal discussion with them and they need to feel that you're in that moment. They need to feel that you're present and you're not just trying to make something happen, dad. You're not just trying to make something happen, mom. Uh, and it, you might not get the respect. You might not get what you need in that moment. But I'm telling you, you create consistent moments like this, eventually it's going to overflow and you're gonna be able to have beautiful conversations with your kids. Walking along the road in that verse is our ride time. I get the unique opportunity and privilege every single day to get up with my kids and take them to school and daycare, right? And I say unique because it's just, it's complicated, it's crazy. Uh, trying to get my kids into, you know, the line at PV Primary in Hudson and there's like a thousand cars lined up. They're all trying to come out of the donut shop. I'm like, you guys know, if, you, if you're in Hudson, you know that donut shop is crazy packed and everybody's still lining up around it. And may, Yeah, I also have to uh, make a formal apology. I did it in first service, I'm gonna do it right now. Sorry to the officer that I have made up like six times. Um, I, I keep thinking he's saying come this way, but he's telling me to go around his car. His car's in the middle. So when I come out, he's like going this way and he whistles at me all the time or he'll like shine his light at me. My, my windows are super tinted so he can't see who I am, but I'm, I'm, I'm saying I'm sorry. I'm trying to right or wrong here. Um, he's definitely frustrated with me in my Honda Pilot uh, every morning. But, but he, here's the deal. Here's the deal. That ride time is casual conversation, okay? You can't have deep spiritual truths in that moment. Uh, the, the best thing you could do for your, that moment, it, it's, it's what I do, I think, uh, is you could, uh, it's what I do, 
Not I think, I, that's what I do. I'm saying I think it would be one of the best things you could do. Before I drop my kids off, all together we pray. And we pray the same prayer all the time. We pray for strength and we pray that they would shine their light for Jesus. We pray for protection and safety and health over them and they would have it the best day ever in Jesus' name. And everybody said, and all my kids yell amen. And it's so fun. It's so, it's so beautiful and it's, it's never gonna stop. Like I'm gonna keep doing it and they're probably gonna be annoyed when, I'm, when they're in high school and that's okay. We're gonna keep doing it. Um, but that's where casual conversation happens. It's seven minutes on the way to her school. But if I can take seven minutes and have a casual conversation with my daughter and then another couple minutes on the way to daycare, it's worth it and you're present in their life. And maybe someone else takes your kids. Maybe this week, maybe you take your kids. Maybe, maybe this week your kids are like, hey, uh, can I get the keys? You're like, I'm driving. They're like, no. <laughs> like, hey, we're, we're trying something new. You know, I heard this at church. They're like, no, <laughs> this just ruined everything for me. Teenagers, I love you. Sorry uh, if that, uh, you know, if mom and dad take the keys, but just know they, they do want to be in your life. Like your parents love you and they, they care about you. That's why they want to hear these things. That's why this was the third most picked topic is because they care about you. The next one is bedtime. And listen, bedtime with three uh, crazy kids is hard. We give our kids adult melatonin. I ain't even mad about it. Um, like, we're just trying to get them to sleep. Like, it's hard. Try it. It works. Okay? That's where you have intimate conversations with your kids. Okay? And listen, I don't have a lot of intimate conversations, but I have intimate prayer over my children and I pray over them and I love them. And it's not always, I'm not, always, sometimes I'm standing staring at the wall praying for them, like, cause they're screaming and they're crying and they're scared of the, the smoke detector for whatever reason. Like, I don't know what's going on, but I'm going to try. So it might not be easy, but I'm still going to try. I'm still going to be present in that moment. And the last one is morning time. This is encouragement. They're about to walk into a whole lot of that mess right here, right? A whole lot of crazy, chaotic stuff in their schools and their works and all this stuff. If you have the opportunity to just pour a little bit of encouragement, to say a scripture over them, to pray over them, to love them, to sing a song, like whatever it is, just give them a little bit of encouragement and that will help you be more present in their life. And the last thing that you can do, so the first thing you can do, and I hope you're writing these down, first thing is to model it for them, okay? Create stability around them and be present with them, okay? Some of the most important things you can do in your child's life, and I think it will help you to become a better parent. And the next thing you can do is empower them to make decisions. I had a cool opportunity to sit with Pastor Jeremy um, back in, it was probably middle of summer, we were talking through vision and ideas and thoughts about what to do for youth ministry and, and a whole new culture and a whole new trend and all of these things. And, and I, it's kind of cool because he's my pastor, he's my boss, he's the shepherd of this house. But at the same time, he's also a parent that I get to serve because he has children in our youth ministry. And he has uh, Sage and Graham, who are both incredible leaders in our youth ministry. Um, and, and I get to talk to him as a parent sometimes. And, and I remember looking at him and asking him, I was like, what do you want as a parent? Like, what are you looking for as a parent right now? Is it, is it you know, deep theological truths? I mean, you, you want your, your children to have a good foundation. He's like, I just want them to be great deciders. I want to be great deciders in a crazy, chaotic world. Because you know what? If you can be a great decider, you can decide to learn more deep theological truths about who Jesus is and how much he loves you. If you can be a great decider, you can choose to go against the things that are the norm, against the things that culture would call cool and right and, and all of these things. And you can make a great decision based on the word of God. Right? And so we want them to, we want to empower them to make decisions. Parents, you're going to have to do that. Even, even my six-year-old, I want to empower her to make decisions. That's why this isn't, empowering to make decisions isn't for the coaching phase, right? It's for all the phases. I want to empower my daughter. My daughter cannot live off of my faith. At some point in which she's already made that choice and she's, she's getting baptized next week and I'm so excited to, to get to get in the tank with her. And she came to me a, a few months ago and said, Daddy, I want to get baptized. And it was one of the coolest moments because I didn't make that decision for her like she did. She made that, she ran to me and said, Daddy, I wanna get baptized. And, and it was her, it was me making, empowering her and letting her make that decision for her. You cannot give your children your faith. You can model it for them. But at some point in their life, they've gotta take it and they've gotta own it for themselves. And it's gotta be theirs because if it's not theirs and they're relying on you to give them every single thing when it comes to God, then the next hard thing, they're gonna easily jump, jump, jump ship. And so I would strongly recommend you begin to release the rope, begin to let them make some decisions. And I know that's hard, I know it's tough, especially in the scary world we live in today, but you know what? Your kids are resilient. And if you would model what it really looks like, if you would just create the stability, if you would be present in their life, I think you can help them make some good decisions. I think you can see them begin to make good decisions. And when they don't, it's okay because you didn't. 
help steer them in the right direction. I think of one of the most popular verses, um, we, we think of King Solomon as the wisest man. God, God called him the wisest man to ever live. You know King Solomon actually didn't have a great father. King David was an incredible king, he was actually a terrible father. Lots of, lots of stuff that happened, that's a whole different topic, a whole different story. King David was actually a horrible father, so, so King Solomon did not have a good representation of what a good father looks like. But he says this, he says, train up a child in the way this should go, and when they're old they will not depart. Okay, if you will train up a child in what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus, follow me as I follow him. This is what it looks like to be a believer. This is what it looks like to truly love Jesus. Follow me as I follow him. I, I, I wanna do that for my children. I know that at some point in life, they're gonna have to make the decision to choose to follow Jesus. And I hope that they can look at me and they can watch me and I am far from perfect. I make so many mistakes in parenting. But I hope the most important thing that they see is my relationship with Jesus. And I hope that they make a decision for Jesus based on my relationship with Jesus. And I hope they make a decision for themselves. So the four things you can do, you can model it for them, you should be modeling it for them. You should be creating stability around them. And I'm talking about spiritual stability. There's a lot of unstable things in this world. The greatest thing you can have is spiritual stability within your home. Married, single, divorced, widow, like it doesn't matter what it, your situation is. Lois and Eunice raised a pretty great pastor that changed the world, Timothy. You can do that. You can do that, mom. You can do that, dad. It doesn't matter what your situation is. Be present in their life. And most importantly, empower them to make decisions. Give them the chance to succeed. Give them the chance to fail. Give them the chance to know Jesus himself. Would you bow your heads in here? One of the, the disclaimers we talked about today was it all starts with you and Jesus. Every relationship starts with you and Jesus. And maybe you're in this place and you're like, you know what, my relationship with Jesus is pretty rocky or I don't have a relationship with Jesus and I don't want my parents or I don't want my children to look at me as their example. Well, the thing is, you are the greatest example your children are gonna have. So I would hope that you would, one, strive to have the very best relationship with Jesus possible, and then strive to be the very best parent possible. And if you're in this place and you're like, hey, today I wanna make the decision to follow Jesus with all of my heart, mind, soul, strength, and I want to then impress that on my children after I've made the decision myself. If that's you in here for the first time, for a fresh time, in person, online, Nacogdoches, wherever you're at, if that's you, would you just raise your hand in here? I see your hands. I'm sure some of you maybe made that decision online. And I'm just gonna pray this prayer over you and I just want you to accept this prayer over your life. And for those of you that are in here making this decision for the very first time or a fresh time, just, just believe this over yourself. Just know that you can do this and Jesus loves you. He's for you, he's not against you, he's with you always. He will not forsake you in parenting, in singleness, in marriage, whatever it is, Jesus has got you. Jesus, we love you and we thank you that you are the perfect example. You're the perfect sacrifice. You are the perfect person, God, to ever walk this earth. And we get the opportunity to look at your example, to listen to your teachings and hear from your words of what it is to truly be the very best us that we can be. And Jesus, right now I pray for those that are making the decision to follow you, whether it's for a first time or it's for a fresh time. I pray that that would be such a sincere and deep relationship, God, that it would begin to, to mark a heritage on their family's life, that it would begin to trickle down to their children and their children's children and their children's children. God, that this relationship that they begin today would forever change their life and change the way that they parent and the way that they live. Jesus, we believe in you, we love you, and we trust you, and we give all these things to you today. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. Amen.